Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes, until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hicklet, he's had a goal! Oh, it's an own goal! Came back off the crossbar and hit Paul Richard right before bouncing back in. It was a fabulous hit by Hicklet. The Space Shuttle Discovery has docked with the International Space Station as construction work on the project continues. The operation was made more difficult by a technical failure which forced the pilots to dock for the first time without radar. Mowbray going up there and equalising! Ah, just another day at the office for Peter Moore, president and COO of Sega of America Dreamcast, the San Francisco-based arm of the Japanese gaming giant that has managed to push the Dreamcast console system into the promised land of two million sell-throughs. As an industry, video gaming is bigger than Hollywood. What's on for Mega? Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Greatest Games podcast on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, Jonathan Wilson is with me and of course with us this week it's Adam Rutherford, geneticist, author of How to Argue with a Racist among others, um, broadcaster who hosts Inside Science on BBC Radio 4 and a frequent guest on other BBC Science programmes, Adam Welcome to the podcast. Hello, chaps. Nice to be here. Pleasure to have you with us. Um, today we go back to the uh, year 2000, the playoff final that ended Barnsley to Ipswich Town 4. Adam, why have you chosen this game? <laughs> just saying, just when you said that score there, I just had a big grin on my face because I, <laughs> I haven't thought about it for, well, a, a few years. But it was, I, I know, you know, everyone always says it's, at your marriage and the birth of your children. <laughs> Other than that, it was singularly the greatest day of of my life. And my dad agrees, and my brother agrees, and my granny agrees because we were all there together at Wembley. Um, and it was, it, you know, that was that was Ipswich into the Premiership for the first time in ooh, what was it, seven years. Mm. Um, and it was such a dramatic day, and and I'm too young to to have really remembered Ipswich's glory days in the in 78 and 81 so it was it was yeah it was just magnificent yeah it was uh, it was one of those perfect sort of cup finals for you know if you're an Ipswich town fan in in that sunny day at, at Wembley loads of goals coming from behind and and obviously the prize Jonathan for a team going up to the to the premiership as it was called then is is enormous yeah, it is, and you know, you, you're right. It's you, you, you look at that now, and that is what you remember Wembley Cup Finals as as being. Um, you know, that, you know the, the the aesthetic of Wembley, the, the the pitch, sort of somehow the fact that it was distant from the stands made it more special at the old Wembley. Mm-hmm. The, the the fact that it was almost like this 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 pitch, this this game is happening on this pitch. It's too sacred 
for the fans to be too close to. <laughs> we we got to have a have a bit yeah. of distance. And and you know, and, and for Ipswich, you know, it, it it wasn't this came from nowhere. They'd been hammering on the door for for several years. And I, I hadn't actually realised George Burley had been there from 1994. So there's been a long process of evolution to get to get to this point. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And also, it was it was in fact the last ever game at that old Wembley as well. So there was a real sense of how special it was. And I've got very clear memories of, you know, walking walking down from the from the station, and the Barnsley fans are on the right hand side, and the Ipswich fans are on the on the left. And it was very, you know, Ipswich has always had this reputation for being a, a family club and a friendly club, and 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 it was that. It was it was just it was just joyous from from well from from beating Bolton in the in, in the semis um, all the way to uh, the end of Wembley. I'm intrigued by this. Was, was this the first time you'd been to Wembley? It was. Uh, no, that's not true. I'd seen you two there. In, uh, <laughs> first time you'd been for a football match, though. For, first time I'd been for, for a football match, yeah. Because the first time I went was for the cup final in, in 92, the FA Cup final, went on and lost to, to Liverpool. And, you know, I, I'd, obviously I'd seen on telly, and in those days when you had the huge sort of yeah, six, seven, eight hour build ups to the cup finals. And your Wembley Way, walking down Wembley Way was, was part of the experience and part of the yeah. day out. And for us in ninety two was it meant nothing because it was hammering down with rain and the nobody was sort of mingling there. Everybody was just sort of dashing along. And and I went back to Wembley the and that was a pretty disappointing game from a Sunderland point of view. We just didn't it wasn't just we lost, we just didn't turn up. And then the following year I went back uh for England nil, Norway nil, probably the worst game of football ever played. And for my my sort of sense of Wembley was of, of something kind of actually pretty underwhelming and pretty disappointing. Mm. And then I went back in '98 for the playoff final, and it was although we lost, it was the perfect day. It was yeah, a bright sunny day. It was really hot and humid. Wembley Way was brilliant. It was incredibly mm. sort of friendly atmosphere between Sunderland and Charlton fans. It was very good humoured. Then a, you know a low you know four four draw lost on penalties. An absolutely sensational game of football that will, yeah, everybody will always remember. So I'm, I'm very glad I got that perfect Wembley experience. So I'm guessing for you, partly with the result, but partly the fact the weather was so good, was Wembley Way what, what you what you hoped it would be? Yes, it absolutely was, and it was. I, I was there with, with, like I said, with my with my dad and my gran and my brother, and so it was a real you know sense of family occasion and, and just just walking down Wembley way we bumped into loads of people that we know because Ipswich is pretty small and um and you know we, we lots of basically everyone in Ipswich had tried to get tickets for the final and it it was it was it was gorgeous um and it wasn't it wasn't sort of raucous it was sort of gently wonderful it was it was, it was a very positive experience i may be saying something completely opposite if we'd lost um, <laughs> you know utterly forgetful but but it was um and also like you said been tapping at that door for a long time part of the frustration of being an ipswich fan especially during that era is that burley was he he, he introduced a really open play of a football you know sort of european style lots of passing from the midfield we had a jim mcjilton was this sort of midfield general who was you know that's that's quite generous to him um <laughs> but we, we you know we were an attractive team and i think we really struggled in the um first division because we were coming up against lumpers and <laughs> and, and hoofers and and who, who would just play you know kick us hard and and um and stomp us down so you know finally to get onto the onto the big stage and play some attractive football was mm. yeah it was it was it was glorious yeah i mean yeah, that, that midfield cool. three of of Magilton, matt holland and jermaine wright you know, they're, they're all really good good passing players aren't they yeah and i um, matt, matt holland is apart from john walker who's my favorite player of all time matt holland is my my you know super captain um he'd be my first pick on uh any Ipswich team um but any and you know and a solid guy as well just just really upstanding on honorable chap um so it, it was a it was a funny team of of sort of all all mid-level hard-working you know very mm-hmm. positive thinking um grinders who who really needed to get out of the get out of the, the first division and into the premiership where they could play their their best possible football against much better teams. And that, and that indeed is what happened the following course, season. Yeah. I mean, and well, Kieran exactly. Dyer had left the previous season, hadn't he? So, I mean, 
was what what was the sense there? Was that was that sort of was he just one of those players where you looked at him and thought, right, he, he'll be off because he's clearly too good for us, or or you know what what was the sense with him him going to Newcastle? Well, there was a, that's another thing about being an Ipswich fan. Like we've always had a really good youth training program, and we've generated um, players from you know from age fourteen and, and up, and people like Dyer and Marcus Ben and um, oh, what was the name of the, Oh, I forget now. But anyway, but there was always a sense that when, when people had come through the youth, youth system that they would eventually go and it was only a matter of time. But then another thing happened, which was a great surprise to us, which was the introduction of Marcus Stewart into the team a couple of years earlier. So, you know, uh, um, a, a guy, he was, I think he was 27 or 28 when he came to Ipswich and he's a natural striker, um, but really, you know, you expect strikers to be more flary and and younger and more athletic than Stuart. And he came and he was the top goal scorer that season and 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 was just epically good. I think he even got an England cap uh, a couple of years later. Is that right? Have I remembered that right? Uh, I think, yeah, I'm not sure about that. But I mean, he, cause he, he arrived for what, two and a half million from Huddersfield. So I, mean, I guess that was part of the... You know, Dyer had gone for six million, so I guess that was part of the... Yeah. Part, part of the money. But I mean, you'd, you'd had that very good front three... Uh, with with Johnson, David Johnson, and Scowcroft, and um, and Naylor, Richard Naylor. So I mean, he he was sort of disrupting something that already worked quite well. So, so if my memory is right, there was certainly a period at the beginning of that season when there was a, a sort of fear that he he wouldn't quite fit, and he he'd actually you know he'd broken up something that was quite quite effective. I, I don't recall that, but I mean, you're, you're you're very you're much more likely to be right about that than, than I am. David Johnson was a he was a he was an excellent player, and I really I really liked him a lot. But he was quite injury prone. Um, As Naylor was in this game. Yeah, we yeah went that's right. That's right. Halfway through the first half, yeah, yeah, mm. that's right. Um, Naylor was a a, a a decent hard man, um, and I think <laughs> I'm right in saying that Scowcroft didn't play in the final I think he was injured that's right yeah he was injured just before and he was the player of the season for Ipswich that year which was obviously a huge blow um but just to just to clarify as you were chatting there I just checked Marcus Stewart didn't actually get an England cap there was there was calls for him to to be given one he may have been called up for a squad I, I can't quite remember that but he didn't yeah. get an England cap but but yeah it was an interesting season this in the in, in England's second tier, it was. It, the, I mean, the league was called the first division, as you said back then. A few years later, it became the championship. It was the first season that the football league got rid of the traditional one to eleven numbering on players' shirts in favour of squad numbers and players' names. Jonathan, do you do you uh, do you feel that was a bad move? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I was an advocate of squad numbers very early. How were you? Uh, okay. was it, so this was the season when Charlton had um, under Kerbishley. Uh, they and they had a was he called Stuart Barmer was that his name who, who wore the number one shirt as, as a midfielder. Well, that's just poor behaviour, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's mad. I mean, you have, to, you have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> no, I, I'll tell I'll tell you why. I, I, I it was sort of a very early realization that, that players should just have their own shirts. Was uh-huh. just seeing seeing Sunderland players in shirts that were the wrong size for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, why? Why would you do that? Just, just you know, give a player two or three shirts for the start of the season, and just trust them to look after them and bring them back. You know that 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 yeah. seemed an obvious thing to do. Yeah, you don't want to be growing into those. I mean, I always find it interesting at the nineteen ninety eight World Cup, all the England shirts were extra large, which is why it looks so baggy on Michael Owen. I know shirts were baggier back then, which is probably one of the reasons. But yeah, uh, very strange indeed. Um, but you mentioned Charlton; they were they won the league. Joe Rawls, Manchester City finished second. Ipswich were third, and, and Barnsley so, yeah, were so fourth. Charlton had gone up in '98, come down in '99, and then went straight back up in in 2000. Like that curve. That's right. Started. Yeah. Well, Man City, um, of course, nearly threw it away. Yeah. Uh, nearly threw away automatic promotion on on the final day because an Ipswich was second for for a short time, but then Manchester yep. City turned it around against Blackburn. So, w- were you because you get a little sniff of automatic promotion? Was it? Did it feel like it was? Um, I don't know, not a drag, but a slight disappointment having had a little taste of the taste of, or, or a little sniff of, of automatic promotion that, that you then had to go into the playoffs, Adam. Yes, absolutely, and and just just the, the fact that we've been in the playoffs and uh, and hadn't made it past the the semis in the playoffs for the previous four seasons, just there was definitely a clear sense of, oh, you know, here we go again. There's another waste of uh, of 
two matches and also you know that sort of ongoing criticism of the playoffs as a system mm-hmm. uh, that that especially if you fail to get through on the playoffs people really stick to which is this is just a, a way of the of of the league extracting two or three more um uh, uh, games out of out of teams when actually it would just be fair to put the first three up. So that, that <laughs> yeah. there's that definite sense in Ipswich of of that having failed. Um, oh, I mean definitely. Pre- I mean when you when you finish third, that, that, I think that is always a sense. And the fact that you only had to play Bolton in the semi final again as you had the previous year. Yeah, uh, who were who came in sixth presumably because it's always three six yeah, four right, five, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So there, there was that, and then um, uh, so definitely a sense that he was. Oh, here we go again. But of course, mm. you know, in retrospect, that it's easy for me to say that now because it, it turned out so gloriously brilliant mm-hmm. and, and kept the momentum going for, for another year after that, even though we got relegated. Yeah. Um, I think, I think for if, if you're, if you're a, if you could, you'd rather win the playoffs than finish second, I think, if you see what I mean. Yeah. You get- I, I think that's probably true. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess it depends. It depends how you finish second. If you finish second by, yeah, true. Yeah, coming from three 0 down on the last day to win four three to <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. fair, yeah. But 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 I, yeah, there's there's definitely more of a sense of climax going up going up through the playoffs. Yeah, because when a few seasons ago when Fulham finished third uh, and then they won the playoffs, you know that was it was fantastic. Um, and you're thinking that they could get second. Obviously, Cardiff sort of pit them to that. But I think I think um, I totally I, I thought you might say that Adam with Ipswich having been in the playoffs. For, for so, you know, a number of seasons before that. And also, if my memory serves me correctly, Manchester City had a huge celebration on the second to last game of the season as if they'd already been promoted automatically. Could have been maybe the last game at Main Road or, or it was certainly the last, maybe the last home game of the season. That's a very silly thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and I remember <laughs> everyone was saying, oh, you've you've... You've been a bit silly there, lads. And I think they had to go away to e- at Ewood Park to Blackburn. And, of course, when they went behind, you know, if I was an Ipswich Town fan, I, I would be looking at that going, oh, this is glory. This is one of those inevitable things. But, of course, they turned it around. But however, though, Adam, we were treated to a rather uh, a, a massive goal fest in that semi-final between Bolton and Ipswich. Ipswich going away and winning um oh no sorry one five three at home in the first game. I mean what were your memories no, it was the, of second, that? the second leg was the five oh, sorry, game, yeah. oh, sorry sorry two all in the first and, and five three in there, the second. Yeah. Forgive and it, me. Yeah, yeah it was it was um so I was listening on the radio, dad was at the match mm-hmm. and um this is pre mobile phone days. So well I mean people had mobiles, I didn't. I had a pager. Um mm. and uh, <laughs> He was paging me the score, <laughs> which was, it's a very dad thing to do that. Cause of course I was listening live mm. on the radio at the time, but um, um, it, it, again, it was one of those sort of low expectations because the first round had been a draw. It was low expectations that here we go again, it's going to, we're either going to lose or go to penalties or, you know, just be, no, it doesn't go to penalties in the semis, does it? But, but it was just going to be tedious. And then all of a sudden it was, it went nuts and my only real memory of watching the highlights is that um, is people going on the pitch, um, mm. and um, and and just sort of the dawning realization that actually we were going to Wembley for the first time in well when since nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, of course. Yeah, cup final. Mm. That's exactly mm. right. And I was too young for that. I was only three at the time, and I don't really mm. remember the UEFA. Um, Final either because oh, I, I was yeah. eighty one. So there was all this all this backstory for being an Ipswich fan that I I, I was only I was very aware of because in, in you know if those three stars on on our jerseys are very important to us because Norwich have none. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. They've got one for the Milk Cup in eighty something or eighty five you know. when they beat Sunderland. Another, <laughs> Sorry, another, another Wembley defeat for Sunderland. <laughs> I was just saying when we talk about playoffs, just thinking. Oh yeah, I was, I was saying, you know, going going up you know, through the playoffs, you get a sense of climax. But yeah, you know, I wouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> all I've experienced is losing the playoffs. I, I think four times, certainly three times at Wembley, and then we lost to Palace uh, under McCarthy in '04. Would that have been? I think it was. Uh, but I mean, that, that sorry, that game against Bolton. I think we should talk about that because <laughs> yeah, it, it is it's such an incredible sequence of events, and partly just the fact that you have George Burley's side playing this. Attractive passing football, the three-five-two, 
you know, the, the, the fact that because you've got the three defenders, because you've got three players in central midfield, you don't have to have sort of a hard man in, in the midfield. I mean, obviously with um, Tony Mowbray at the back, you certainly did have a hard man there. But the midfield, yeah. you can have three passes. Again, Sam Allardyce's Bolton, who have hard men everywhere, are playing a much more direct style. And, you know, 2-0 up within sort of, I don't know, 25 minutes, half an hour of, of the first leg. And then that brilliant dipping volley from Marcus Stewart, which, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, uh, Nick Ames from The Guardian is an Ipswich fan, and he talks about that goal as being the first moment when the teenage him thought, actually, Marcus Stewart might be good for us. But he'd been a, he'd been a Stewart sceptic. I think there have been some issues with... with with Stewart sort of not being necessarily the most professional trainer and sort of, you know, having quite a nice time. And so I think there'd been a sort of scepticism among some fans. And then he scores yeah. that brilliant volley. And that's the moment when it's sort of actually, yeah, maybe there is something there. Yeah, I don't, so I don't, I don't remember it. You've got a much clearer memory of it than I do. Um, and I, I've watched, I've only, I watched it on the, I've got the VHS copy of the Road to Wembley, um, so that you know obviously dates me. You're you're right about Stewart's and um, the sense that, well, he had a slight look about him. There were there were rumours about how much he he drank. Um, there were other rumours lo- locally, which you know it's just the gossip mill, and they're probably almost certainly nonsense. Um, but he, that I I have a clear sense that his ability to put goals away. Um, often at short range, so not not that you know the, the long dipping um, uh, one you're talking about, but he he was a high scorer, and I think that that is something that Ipswich have always always lacked, and particularly in the last couple of seasons, that just having a ruthless, actual uh, like you know proper striker who's going to score game after game, I think that 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 was something that Stewart did. Uh, in a way that we hadn't had for the previous, you know, many years. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting as well that that I think he and and Kevin Phillips, who obviously had their heyday roughly at the same time, yeah, they they both had very good first seasons in, in the Premier League. Um, so, uh, yeah, this season we're talking about now was the season when Phillips got his thirty goals and won the Golden Boot. Stewart obviously then does brilliant in the following season when Ipswich finished fifth, and that's a type of player that at the top level. Doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, uh, I don't want to say they're just poachers because they're, they're both of them are more than that. Both of them kind of their movement was good. They were capable of scoring that long range goal, but they they're, they're sort of a, they're, they're not players who who you'd want to lead the press. They're not players who could play up front by themselves. They needed other players around them, and I think it is a type of player. You still see it down at League One, maybe in the Championship as well, but you don't really get them in the Premier League anymore. And I think Stewart and Phillips are sort of the. The, the the last hurrah of that style of um, what, what level would you say? They're obviously not quite international level, but very good domestic level strikers. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Okay, gentlemen. And then, sorry, the second break. leg. We need to talk about the second leg. In the second leg, 5-3, okay. three penalties, Bolton completely losing it, Mike Whitlow being sent off. Probably, I mean, arguably about half a dozen players could have been sent off. It's an incredibly violent game. Magilton gets a kicking of his life, scores a hat-trick anyway. Yeah, just a sensationally <laughs> dramatic game of football. Yeah, when Jilton was well, I'd say I I never really rated Super Jim, and he he was <laughs> amongst our uh, where where we sit on the cobbled stands. There was always a quite quite a lot of just uh, you know this this guy is a journeyman. He's a he's a bit brutish for this this elegant style of football that Burley's trying to play in the in the run up to two thousand and one, um, and and then that man. <laughs> That match was, that was exactly what we needed in that match, and absolutely, yeah, he just charged through everyone, um, and I think he scored an amazing long range goal in that game as well. Did have I got remember that correctly? Um, he gets a penalty, then he, then I think his second goal is a is a um, is a brilliant goal. Then he then he misses a penalty, then he scores a penalty. So yeah, I think, I think his second goal in that game is he had an eventful the, game. Um, uh, no, sorry, because he, he the third penalty he didn't take. He he uh, uh, he let Jamie Clapham take it. So yeah, he scored one penalty, missed one penalty. So yeah, one of his other two goals was, was you're quite right. Is a, is a brilliant long range effort. Jamie Clapham. So he was he was one of my faves. He was a rather cultured 
uh, player, quite you know quiet but sort of solid workman. He he fitted very much in that Matt Holland's um, sort of sensibility. God, these are names I haven't thought about for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and a great engine getting up and down from left yeah. wing back. Right, gentlemen, uh, let's have a quick break, and after which we'll talk about the match itself. Port wide is provided by Clapham. It's Clapham's cross. It's Stewart. It's three-one in switch. And Suffolk sniffs the Premiership. What a buy! What a buy by George Burley and pals. Marcus Stewart just might be the one who takes them to the promised land. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Are you struggling to find something to watch during lockdown? You've drained Netflix, rewatched all your old favorites, and now you need something new? Well, we're here to help. Join us for Clash of the Titles, the podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head in a fight to the death. Release the Kraken. Well, not death. We just decide which one is better. When they do a long shot of the crowd in the ivory tower, it's different to the close-up. And if you look closely, you can see E.T., Mickey Mouse, Chewbacca, (laughs) um, Ewoks, and C-3PO. So when Wolfgang Peterson went to Spielberg, went, yeah, uh, could you maybe um, re-edit uh, my, my movie? Uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg went, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm probably going to cut out? E-F-T, mate. <laughs> I made that. Find your new favourite movie or revisit an old classic with me, Alex Zane, Vicky Crompton and Chris Tilly. New episodes out every Monday and Thursday. Clash of the Titles is a Stakhanov production. Craig Hignett started the ball rolling for Barnsley. Is their top scorer this season. Hickler to keep them in it. 3-2. Life in the time. Life in Barnsley. Welcome back to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. So then, gentlemen, we, we come to that uh, fateful sunny day at Wembley Stadium. It was, as you mentioned earlier, it was the last domestic competitive fixture to be played at the original Wembley Stadium. And we said that Ipswich hadn't been uh, to Wembley since 1978. I believe it was Barnsley's first ever appearance at Wembley. And, and Barnsley, they were the top scorers in the league that season with 88. Uh, quite crucially, as would be the case uh, in this game, they had a much poorer defensive record, specifically away from home, than the three teams above them. But they had they had quite a lot of goals in them. Craig Hignett um, scored a few, and Neil Shipperley as well, Darren, Darren Barnard. So, uh, Jonathan, going into the final, do, do you remember who you had down as, as favourites or who, who you quite fancied? Was it free scoring Barnsley or was it... Well, I suppose Ipswich had put seven past Bolton in the semi-final, so they weren't shy of goals themselves. Well, I, I, think, um, I think my sense of it was this is another fascinating clash of styles. 
that mm. you know, we've seen when Ipswich play against San Alexis Bolton, there's something about that 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 mix of a cultured passing of, of one team with the the aggression and direct football of the other has produced these two incredible games. And of course, Dave Bassett's Barnsley were not that dissimilar to Sam Allardyce's Bolton. Uh, you're very straightforward four four two. Get it forward quickly to you know, to Shipperley and to, to Bruce Dyer. Um, you know, very much of that. Yeah, mid nineteen eighties position of maximum opportunity. Get it to the back post. You know, a very typical style of football. Pretty unsophisticated style of football, but a style of football that that had brought them a lot of goals. I mean, they finished uh, five points behind Ipswich. And I, I, yeah. I don't think there's much doubt that Ipswich were the better team. But given we knew of Ipswich's record, given we knew that they'd had this this sort of these these three previous years of failure, um, I, you know, there was a sense of you know how how are they going to react to this? Having said that, I think when you win a semi final in the way they won it, you yeah. always have this. You know, d- destiny in football is a funny thing in that it clearly doesn't exist, and yet if enough people believe it exists, it can exist. If you see what I mean, <laughs> yeah, it I becomes yeah. self fulfilling. <laughs> yeah, once. And you see it, well, you know, you see it when you have a, a goalkeeper makes half a dozen brilliant saves in the first half hour, and the other team gets it in their heads. Oh, it's his day. Mm. We, we we just can't we can't can't score. Yeah, that's though. right. Mm. And, and so you know, you, you, I, I think you always wonder what you know, or you always think when a team has won in such dramatic circumstances, two things can happen: either they're left emotionally drained, or they just start to think, "Yeah, we can do anything. It's our year." And then, of course, six minutes in. I guess if you're an Ipswich fan, you're getting a pretty clear indication it's not going to be your year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. In fact, it, there was a specific turning point in the game from my from my emotional state, which was uh, well, it came after we were a goal down and David Johnson had been taken off. Um, but yes, yeah, as you, Craig Hignett, he he scored after a, a few minutes. It actually bounced off. Richard Wright it hit the crossbar and then bounced back into the goal off Richard Wright. Richard Wright was a real talisman for Ipswich for for, for many years. He was he was top quality. Um, so we're one nil down after what was it six, six, minutes. six minutes six, six minutes. minutes yeah and a, and a ridiculous uh, goal. I mean Hignett's just mm. he's he's picked the ball up okay he hasn't been closed down but he's 30, 35 yards out yeah, yeah. fantastic yeah. shot hits he, the really bar it. yeah and then <laughs> just bounces down it's poor Richard Wright. Sort of on the back of the arm and just sort of dribbles over the line. Yeah, yeah. Roberto Di Matteo esque kind of hit that was around that time. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was very generous. But it was a good hit, though, Adam. You can't, you can't. Deny. Yeah, no, it but was. Also, I, I find it interesting. Marcus Stewart apparently said uh, he probably said this in with hindsight that they fancied it to be Barnsley in the final when Barnsley were playing against Birmingham because Ipswich had beaten Barnsley 6-1 and 2-0 in the league that season. And he thought, oh, you know, we, we, we can do these. We got the better of them. But then, of course, as you say, after six minutes, a goal like that hits the underside of the bar and goes in. You're thinking, oh, bloody hell, this, this, could, be a, this could be a long afternoon for us. Yes, and and we we were sitting there and we went a bit quiet um, because uh, you, you know what it's like when they score in the first five or six minutes of a match and it really takes uh, it takes a lot of the excitement away from the whole experience. <laughs> but 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 the turning the turning point was it it was it was not so much the equaliser but it was when Richard mm. Wright yeah. saved a penalty. Um, because we, so you know it, Tony Mowbray, you know old journeyman, hard man at the back, who he 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 headed it in um, mm. from across. I think it, I, having slagged him off, I think it was from Jim Magilton. It was Jim Magilton. Yeah, Jim Magilton's yeah. corner was cleared. It was worked back to to him, and he yeah bends in, and Mowbray arrives at the back post. Classic, classic centre half goal. Yeah, yeah, rising salmon. Um, I, I don't know how many goals he'd scored that season, or in, indeed ever. But um, he was old too. He was he was like the well, he I must have been mid thirty eight. I think he's thirty eight. <laughs> that is incredible, isn't it? But, uh, uh, let me check that. But I, I, uh, he was definitely late thirties, I think, rather than mid thirties. He was so he was yep. thirty six. Sorry, he was. Oh, he was yep. born on the day that Kennedy was shot. Mm. <laughs> how about that? That's an amazing stat. <laughs> But Adam, yes. uh, Mowbray gets the equaliser, and then, as you say, Barnsley sort of fairly soon after get a penalty, and Richard Wright makes a big save, and he was talismanic for, for Ipswich back then, and that was one of Ipswich's big players producing a, a big moment in the match, 
and you feel that was when the tide turned for Ipswich. Yes, yes. So he, he used to right when he was to, when he was to, um, defending a penalty, he would he he'd put his hands up in the air. We, we called him X Man, and he'd stand there. And he was a big guy. <laughs> he was tall, so he'd stand there. And he, he also had a slight habit of coming off the line a bit early, um, <laughs> which we didn't mind. And I, I've got a feeling he did do that in in that in the Wembley match. But yeah, he's he's standing there in this huge X shape, hands up. Um, and I've got no recollection of how he saved the penalty, whether it was a you know a glance off his thigh or, or if he dived beautifully to, to pat it away. But he, he dived to his right, I can tell you. Okay, and well, as soon as that had happened, that that was when that was when we we had a sense. Okay, it's game on now. We you know this is it's the scores are leveled, and now we've just got a massive Philip um, just before the second half. So it's just you know sec- second half is open for us to. To keep that mm-hmm. momentum going, and, and you know, was, Burley was, was a was a dour manager as well. He he he, <laughs> he was, you know, had had that sort of Scottish quietness. He was always very well presented and and didn't ever get very overexcited about things like that. And I remember, you know, we, we could see him from where we were sitting on the halfway line, about ten rows back. My gran had been warned by a steward for shouting at the ref. <laughs> <laughs> What did she? Well, I won't ask you what she was shouting. That's probably yeah, fairly standard um, masturbatory yeah. comments about <laughs> style. Uh, classic gran. You yes, know. <laughs> but, yeah, Stuart. Because we were sitting on the we were sitting on the aisle, or I think I was on the aisle, and Gran was next to me, and the, the steward in his you know fluorescent jacket came up and said said something, which we just thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, but oh, um, mm. but then in, into the second half, and mm. and that. That's that's when the memory becomes clearer. It's sort of we, we, we've 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 talked about it a lot, and we've watched watched the videos, and but it's it's more it, it's more clear what what the style of the second half was going to be like. Mm. Well, and then soon after, Naylor scores for Ipswich, of course, and then and then Marcus Stewart they give him the old one-two, and they and they're looking pretty good. Well, we've, we've yeah, talked Naylor's about been... Ipswich's passing style, but actually, both these goals are, are long balls. So uh, yeah, fifty-two minutes. Long ball from the back. Marcus Stewart flicks it on. Chris Morgan, of all people, misjudges it, and Naylor gets in. And it's obviously quite a quite night. He obviously sees uh, sees the keeper, sees Kevin Miller going down a bit early. Scott clips it over him. Then six minutes later, a Mark Venus long ball. Uh, Naylor's touch to take it down is is sensational. Mm. It sort of takes yeah. it yes. on, the, on the outside yes. of his foot, just kills it instantly, uh, and it sort of holds up weight. Then clap him on the overlap. You know, we, we talked about how well he got up and down. And you know, his cross and Stewart coming in makes it makes it three one with a I mean really sort of precise glancing header in it at the far post. Yeah, yeah, great and, and, and header. N- uh, another thing that happened as well, which was just you know minor addition to the drama, is that Naylor got booked for he he ripped his top off and headed for the <laughs> left post after he scored, and uh, you know he was a ginger, pasty pasty white man, but shredded <laughs> for the day. Um, you know, compared to other players on the team, like uh, well, maybe Tony Mowbray, but yeah, yeah, he ran around twirling his top, and immediately got books, and and that's just, I mean, that's just annoying, isn't it? It's annoying when, <laughs> get for that. but for it to happen at Wembley was uh, was mm. just just a, a, another tiny bit of drama. Yeah, so but now it's three, a, three one. But I mean, this was yeah, the and, age and, of the of the great playoff final, wasn't it? Yeah, there'd, there'd been mm. yeah, Sunderland Charlton, but there'd but yeah, it's been the, when Swindon went up and won four three. Was that against it's Leicester? Was it? It was a series of these brilliant finals mm-hmm. in, in a row, and you know there will always be drama. And sure enough, twelve minutes from time, um, Thomas uh, cuts inside Mowbray. Mowbray's a little bit clumsy, brings him down, yeah. and uh, it's a penalty. This time Hignett takes it, scores, and suddenly yeah. it's three two with, with with twelve minutes to go. Yep. <laughs> It's making me nervous talking about it. That was Jeff Thomas. I have to say, I'd totally forgotten he'd gone to Barnsley from Crystal Palace. Oh, they all went, well, Bruce Dyer and Neil Shipperley. Um, I don't oh, know if yeah, they were... Big, big Palace contingent. That's well, true, because yeah. Dave, Dave Bassett was at, at Palace, wasn't he, uh, for a time? And yeah, then Steve Koppel right, took yeah. over from him and got Palace promoted. Because Dave Bassett was a bit of a promotion specialist. I uh, think of his time at... At Wimbledon and 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 so on, but he, he didn't get it today. But yes, so so going back to it, when when Hignett scores the penalty, Adam, you must have been 
you must have been crapping yourself quite frankly. Yes, I think that is your a, grand language. That was a, yeah. a fair assessment of, of us. You know, we go a bit quiet again. We're still a goal up, but it is that's exactly the point where you think, you know, mm. it's like it's like having someone sent off, and that, that's the point where you start worrying. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, it was quick though, from from memory. That I, there were a lot of changes at that time. I seem to recall there was so you know they were both both managers trying to slow things down um, and open up the game. Didn't. Barnsley had an international playing for them who I can't remember who it was. but Eric, Tinkler. Eric Tinkler, the South African midfielder who actually went off for Jeff Thomas on the hour. Oh, no, you're thinking of... Uh, no, uh, oh, Jordi Christoph, the Macedonian Christoph, came on. That's, that's it. Christoph that's came it. on to Bruce Dyer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I remember mm-hmm. that being a, a sort of, oh, ah, you know, bringing on a super sub at the end. Um, but, but again, I guess, well... We we did the same, didn't we? Though, so you know. Well, yeah, that, well, that last seven minutes, Ipswich made two substitutions. At, um, yeah. So first of all, Martin Royce, Martin Royce comes on for Marcus Stewart, yeah. and then uh, Fabian Wilness comes on for for Jermaine Wright, mm. and then I guess you have that moment, and yeah, you know, they are the best moments in football when it's the final final seconds, and suddenly your substitute, who's fresh, is yeah. clean through. He's in the half. Entirely by himself with the goalkeeper, <laughs> and you know this is it. That all he's got to do is pretty much kick the thing straight, yeah. And suddenly a one-goal lead is a two-goal lead, and you've won the game. And yeah. you had that 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 glorious moment. Yeah. yeah, it was. So Royster was a he he was a you know flair player, and I, I don't know whether he was unpopular because he didn't he, he there was a, there was a sense that he didn't quite fit into the team mentality. He'd been brought in late. He was relatively recent. He had sort of slightly foppish floppy hair but he was quality you know he was a, he was a, he was a good player a good striker and but n- never a fan favorite at least from our, our domain but then that happened and and it, it was so I, i'm mixing up my own memories with watch re-watching it several times because there was there, there was in the commentary which obviously I couldn't have been listening to because I was at the match. <laughs> but in the mm-hmm. co- in the commentary, there is a uh, a line which is, I, I for me as an Ipswich fan, the greatest piece of commentary in the history of football, because it it, it just goes uh, when Royster picks it up at about the halfway line. I think he he diddles it around one one of the defenders, and then as he says, he was, he was clear, and then just twats it. And the commentary goes, <laughs> Royster. Premiership, and that's and that was it. And that, that, that was how we felt. So my, that my sounds brother, very Peter Drury. I bet that was Peter Drury. I think it was yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I think it was. So my my brother and I are big Star Wars fans, and um, he said that. I don't know whether the, the your listeners or you guys remember the bit in the Return of the Jedi when mm. they finally land. They, 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 they've beaten the Death Star and uh, the, the huge spaceship crashes into the planet. And... Spoilers, Adam. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the, the rebels win. <laughs> Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's dad. Oh, um, no. <laughs> and, um, well, anyway, there's this bit where Admiral Akbar, the leader of mm. the Rebel Alliance, and they've just basically won. And he's he's standing and he's, he sort of slumps down in his chair. <laughs> I, I know the just, scene you mean. Do you know what I mean, right? My yeah, brother said that's what I did. That you know, we're all on our feet. Royce <laughs> scores, and instead of leaping around like a maniac and hugging everyone, yeah. he says that I sat down and leant back in my chair. You know, just looking, Job looking done. ponderous and and you know, yeah. that's it. And in fact, afterwards, it was it was it was like sort of when you you know the, the excitement of finishing your exams at school or at university, where you want to want to go out and get absolutely tanked and party. But actually, you're just so emotionally drained by the whole experience. <laughs> so I think we had about two pints, and then you know, parent, dad, dad, and Graham went home, and and I had a quiet night in, sort of just grinning. <laughs> Glorious, yeah. And of course, Ipswich would go on to finish fifth in the Premiership the, the following season, qualifying for Europe, and George Burley would win Manager of the Season award. I mean, I bet you didn't <laughs> think it could get that good, to, you know, in the first season up. No, absolutely not. And it was, um, I, I, we did, there was a lot of discussion about this at the time. I, now, from from memory, I so we went to the first home game of the season, which I think was against Man United, and I think we drew it. Um, some you can check, um, mm. but that that was a point where I, we started to think, hold on a minute, 
you know, this is, uh, I, I don't think any of the big premiership sides were expecting this, you know, li- little provincial team um, to play any sort of football that would, uh, that would be challenging in the premiership. But I think that's, that's how we, that's how, that's how we managed it mm. um, by, by playing, you know, open passing. Well, I, you know, I, th- I think there is a sense, I think it's still maybe not quite to the same extent, but I think it's still slightly true today that if you play good passing football in the in the, in the championship or, or division one as it was then, it's harder to get up. But if you do get up, you're much better equipped mm-hmm. to play at Premier League level. So I think you saw even with, with say, Wigan, that when they got up, they actually played quite good football and they, they settled very quickly into the Premier League. Whereas if you come up playing a a more direct, a more sort of pragmatic style, I think the lack of quality then then gets exposed in the Premier League in a way it isn't what one one division down. Yeah, the, I think there was a, a, a quite a damning statistic that that actually suggested otherwise. Because when Cardiff City went up under Warnock, it, that the people were saying that that actually his pragmatic style may keep them up. And of course, Fulham, I know that was a slightly different case. They signed too many players and one thing and another. But I think nowadays that's that's probably the case. I think Ipswich had a bit of steel as well as that passing and that more kind of kind of playing the ball on the deck attitude. Yeah, I mean, clearly there's a risk there. But if you look at the teams who've gone up and have done really well, so I'd even, even class Sunderland in this, although that Sunderland team was based around Al Quinn, there was decent football to get the ball wide and, and, and then get it in the box. But then Ipswich, Swansea, Wigan, Wolves, they're all teams who, who you know could actually play. They weren't reliant on you know keeping it tight, keeping the shape, and and and, and mm. going direct. So you know, I, I don't think anybody's gone up and is maybe Stoke. I guess will be the counter example, and really sort of taking the Premier League by storm, playing football that isn't sort of quote unquote good football. Yeah, well, it was certainly an amazing season for for Ipswich that following season, and and of course, Adam, you know, in, in terms of Ipswich Town, everybody lived happily ever after, didn't they? <laughs> that is exactly what has happened, and we've remained <laughs> in the top five of British football ever since. No, I mean it was it was that, that that season was wonderful, and it was just it was just so joyous, just bouncing along, um, you know, just 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 winning at home and and. Mm. Um, and as you say, we, you know, made it up to fifth, which was kind of ridiculous, and and then qualified for Europe, um, and, and, and did okay beating Inter the following season at home in the first leg. Well, that, that was two, but... yeah. Well, that was that was so so that was there was there was the the, the the first round was against I think it was against Sparta um, Moscow, and um, I think we won both of them. And then the second round was against. Helsingborg. Now I went mm. to the away leg of that because there was now a huge travelling um, contingency for Ipswich fans, and so we we flew up to um, Stockholm and then drove down to Helsingborg and sat in in that stadium. And I can't remember the date, but it felt like it was October or November. And there was a it, again that was that was a Marcus Stewart match. There was there was snow on the ground. It's an, it's a small stadium, and there were about I don't know. It felt like several thousand. I expect it was probably more like a thousand Ipswich fans. And um, it's open air. It's freezing. You know, it's absolutely freezing. <laughs> but the row in front of me, who were hard hardcore fans, as soon as the whistle blew to start the match, they all took their tops off. Um, <laughs> so there was about twenty. You know, not not the most physically um, attractive men in in the snow <laughs> standing there. Um, and, and that was that was you know just to, to watch Ipswich win in Europe, even though it's Helsingborg and it's only second round of the UEFA was was uh, was just glorious. And then the next one, as you say, it was Inter at home, um, and Alan Armstrong, um, who was another sort of you know very typical Ipswich player who who scored regularly enough and was was quite a hard man, but he had this. I think I think it was from a header, and I think it was an amazing leaping salmon header in, into um, into the top corner against Inter at Portman Road. And you're just thinking, this is absolutely ridiculous. When is this going to end? And of course, the answer to that was at the San Siro, where we got absolutely hammered, quite rightly so. But that was <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. yeah. And then we well, got relegated. Adam, it's, 
Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there because Ipswich Town fans have, have suffered enough of late. Let, let yeah. them uh, remember these uh, fond memories. But Adam, thank you very much for <clears throat> dissecting uh, that one with it. It's been an absolute pleasure. For more stories like that, do check out theblizzard.co.uk. Um, but yeah, Adam, thank you very much for coming on the pod. My pleasure. Nice to relive some happy memories. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, a pleasure as always. Cheers, and thank we'll you. See you. We'll see you next week, everybody. Ta-ta. Forward by Bob, up by Croft. Naylor. He stabbed it through. Reusser is onside. Reusser! Premiership! Done and dusted for George Burley. to the quick but elevation now surely assured this was a Stakhanov production small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.